Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 25. Today, I will be interviewing Ellie Swartz, award-winning author of three middle-grade novels. Her debut novel, Finding Perfect, is about 12-year-old Molly, friendship, family, OCD, and a slam poetry competition that will determine everything. In her second book, Smart Cookie, you meet the spunky and big-hearted Frankie. Frankie's all about family with a dash of mischief and mystery. Then in October 2019, we say hello to Maggie and give and take. With the help of a foster baby named Izzy and Bert the turtle, Maggie learns that sometimes love means letting go. I always like to mention the author's website because um, Ellie has tons of really amazing information on her website. So make sure to check it out at ellieswartz.com. And you could also follow her on Twitter at Ellie Swartz or Instagram at Ellie Swartz Books. Um, and also don't forget to check out her web series, Books in the Kitchen with author Victoria J. Co. So thank you so much, Ellie, for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you about well, all your books, but specifically Finding Perfect. Thank you so much, Becca, for having me. It's really quite an honor to be um talking with you about my books and about, I think, where both of our heart lies, which is uh, the kids that those books impact. Well, thank you. It's an honor to have you on. And I, I read your book, Finding Perfect, and I'm, I'm also reading your new book as well. But when I read Finding Perfect, Finding Perfect, I was just, I, I loved it. I, I loved it from beginning until end. And um. Thank I'm you. so excited to talk to you about it because I wanted to see what inspired you to write the novel. Thank you so much. That really, it means an incredible amount to me that Molly's journey resonated with you. What inspired me to write Finding Perfect are kids. I want all kids to see themselves on the page. There are kids I've known and have been in my world for a long time that have OCD. There are adults in my life that have OCD. And what struck me about um, the people in my world with OCD is that they viewed themselves so differently than the world saw them. And I wanted those people to see themselves the way I saw them. I saw them as brave and strong and wonderfully unique and very special just the way they are. And I wanted them to have a glimpse of themselves the way I was able to view them. And I think that was maybe the driving force behind um, Molly. And when she came to me, which is how my books start, a character comes to me I knew that she was really scared and I knew she had undiagnosed OCD, but I also knew that she was so much braver than she realized. And I wanted to help her find her voice and to sort of help her find herself. 
Yeah. And I also think it, it helps other kids also going through, you know, different types of anxiety. You know, it just, it talks about her story and how other people may perceive her and how it really was on her, in her everyday life. And I think it also just brings awareness for OCD because I think, um, not only kids, but I think a lot of adults don't really understand um, yes. OCD and how difficult it is um, for for a child, but also for the family. And because a lot of parents, let's say, might say, well, you know what, just they'll snap out of it or, um, you know, just make them, make them do it a different way and they'll get over it. Um, but it's just so much, there's just so much more to it. You know, there's just so much. And so what I loved is how, you know, I mean, I don't want to give away the book because I want people to read it. <laughs> um, but what I loved is that it, I just felt like it was like a real journey from beginning to end. And I think it's not only a great book for children, but I mean, as adults, I felt connected to the character, you know? Thank so, um, so I just, think, and I, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, I think one of the things that's been incredibly, um, just a gratifying experience for me as the writer is that Molly's journey has resonated with kids and adults. I mean, this book is being read in fourth grade, in elementary school, in middle school, in high school, in college, and adult book clubs. I mean, I've heard from adults who had OCD when they were younger and wish they had this book when they were a kid. I've heard from kids um, who have OCD and have found themselves in Molly's journey and are now getting help from OCD with o- their OCD. And I just, it is um, humbling and honoring that her, her story, Molly's story could really imprint on so many readers' hearts and really make an impactful difference in their life. I mean, I have a, a letter that I keep tacked to the board next to my desk that is from a reader of Finding Perfect. And it starts by saying, Dear Ellie, I just want you to know that you changed my life. I actually like can't, it just makes me um, like well up every time I think of this reader because she shared that she felt weird like Molly. She did strange things like Molly. She was scared like Molly. She kept it a secret like Molly. And she felt alone until she met Molly. And then she told somebody and now she's getting help. And I I can't think of a more honoring experience to have than that type of connection with a reader and have a story that I create, um, transcend the page in that way. And so the next question I want to ask, cause I mean, I think, I think why so many, um, kids relate to, to the character of Molly when, you know, if you have OCD and maybe even without, um, goes into the research because you did a lot of research. Yes. And I wanted to learn a little bit more how the research and the consults with experts shape the character and the story development. Sure. The, I mean, I felt that if my journey to writing this book was about eight years. And when I started this book, the only novel on the shelves 
for kids was Kissing Doorknobs, a fantastic novel, but it was for older kids. And as I, what I knew about OCD and as I started researching, it often um, begins in, it can begin as young as upper elementary. And, but there were no books that represented a kid who had OCD at that age for middle grade. So I felt if I was going to create a character like Molly, I had my goals where it had to be incredibly respectful and it had to be authentic. And so that meant drawing from the experiences and interviewing and talking to the people in my life who had OCD. And it meant talking with doctors. I worked with Dr. Kathleen Trainer for four years on the book. Um, she runs the Trainer Center in Natick, Massachusetts. She specializes in anxiety in kids. And she was incredibly gracious with her willingness to not only educate me, but then vet the book. Um, and sometimes I got it right and sometimes I didn't. I mean, obviously I did a lot of additional research. I went on the International OCD Foundation, which is an incredible resource. I read articles by kids who had OCD. I, I mean, we're going back so far. The research was so, it took me so long that when I emailed the OCD Foundation for and bought one of like got one of their resources, it came as a VCH VHS tape. <laughs> That's wow. how long ago it was. Um, and so I I think all of the research and I worked with um, Dr. Paul Canestrero as well, and they were both incredibly gracious experts that really lent their heart and knowledge to shaping Molly. And as I said, sometimes when I wrote a draft, I got the manifestation right. And sometimes I had to go back in. And so that feedback from Dr. Trainer was instrumental in shaping Molly and creating what I hoped would be a true, authentic representation of a girl who, was, who had OCD but hadn't yet discovered or been able to name what was happening to her. Yeah. I mean, so what would you like children to learn from your book, both, both who have OCD, but I think also for other children as well, because I just feel, I think your book is just such an important book for all, all children to read. Thank you. You know, middle grade or even older. Um, like I said, as an adult, I loved your book. I think it really was just, is. so it, it just felt, I don't know, you know, it's like, there are some times that you read books that you feel like you, like, you know, the character and you remember the character. Like, it's right. almost like somebody that you met, you know? So that's how I felt about, about Molly and, you know, working with clients uh, with OCD, I see how, how hard it is, you know? So right. I, I just, I, I think it's so important for others to be aware of it. Yes. So, so, you know, I just, I wanted to ask you about that. So, I mean, I, you know, after writing Molly's story, she does feel like a real person to me and I miss her. <laughs> I miss spending that time with her. I mean, I, I think for me, what I would hope all kids would take away, all readers would take away is that nobody is one thing. Molly is not her anxiety or her OCD. Mm -hmm. And whenever we 
as individuals self-identify with one trait. We never go to our rock star quality. We always go to the place where we feel most vulnerable. I don't, nobody is one thing. I have a, it's called the Unfolding Identity Project. It's on my website. And it is an activity that, that shows kids in a very visual way how they are a blend of all the things that make them up, the way the world sees them, the way they see themselves, the, their rock star qualities and the things they're working on because we're all working on something. You know, exactly. everybody is working on, on some aspect of themselves. And whether you have anxiety, you have OCD, you have the other mental health challenges, it really shouldn't be any different than having a broken arm and going and getting it fixed. And so I would hope that kids and all readers, whether you have anxiety or don't, that this book is a mirror and a window and a door for those who are seeing themselves on the page and those who may be learning about and understanding someone who's in their class or who lives in their neighborhood or who um, sits near them at, in the cafeteria, that they're really getting to empathize and have a greater understanding of somebody else's experiences. I mean, that, that is my greatest hope. I don't, I don't want kids to feel that they're alone. I want them to know that we're all working on something and they are not alone. Yeah, and I love I, I love what you said about not labeling or kind of, you know, saying, oh, well, just the thing with, with anxiety or with OCD, that's not just, that's just something that you have. It's not who you are. Right. You know, exactly. and, I, and I think even as adults, that's something that, you know, I think we, you know, we always have to remember that, you know, if there's something that you're going through, it doesn't make you who you are. It just, it, you know, this is, and, and also... I think for kids too, like going through that, at least like in my experience, um, just reminding them of all the wonderful traits that they have, you know, exactly. that they may be struggling with this, but then, but also talking about how wonderful or how amazing another skill that they have is, you know, I mean, you may have this going on that may be challenging, but look at how amazing or look at the passion that you have for, you know, like, I don't know, for reading or for whatever, whatever it is. And I think, um, I feel like that's a really good point. Cause I think sometimes, which kind of goes into my next question. Cause sometimes I think when you're a parent, parents could get caught up in diagnoses and labels and kind of looking at one thing and always think it's related. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you a question about that, you know, cause I, I know that it's, really hard for parents of, of children who are newly diagnosed with OCD. So what advice would you give for those parents? I guess with the understanding that I am not a doctor, um, but my advice from the parents I've met and the experiences I've had would be that for those parents to reach out and get help and get their child the help that their child needs look into the International OCD Foundation. Again, it's an incredible resource. 
and reinforce that your child is not OCD. Your child has OCD. Your child has a lot of other things also that they are not just that one thing. And I think the importance of parents reinforcing and how special their child is, regardless of what blend of attributes that they may have, but that that blend is actually the thing that makes them incredibly special and really wonderful. And that, of course, there are hurdles. And of course, at times that feels unfair and it feels really hard. And my heart hurts for those families when that happens. But they're going to get to the other side of this. And this is one part of them. This is not their whole. And just remembering all that this is one of the pieces that makes them incredibly special. And I think the more parents can reinforce that, I think the better for everybody. I think my hope is that with books as one catalyst, that we can really break down, begin to break down those stigmas and stereotypes around mental health challenges. Yeah. And I also think that by breaking those down, you make the kids more open to discussing it. Right. You know? I mean, that's what's yeah. happening in classrooms who are using Finding Perfect or Give and Take books that have these mental health themes. They're starting conversations. They're giving kids the language and the distance sometimes that they need to have a conversation. It's giving them a lens to either see themselves or see somebody else and learn about something that's impacting another person's life and have that kind of empathy. And once you have that, you can break down those stereotypes and stigmas because those don't mean anything. I mean, in the end, they're, they're, the labels don't mean anything. As I said, I mean, I really believe we're all working on something. And if we can, the further away we can get from those stigmas and stereotypes and labeling, the better we are. Yeah, and so that kind of gets me to my next question because I'm so excited for you to talk about your new book, Give and Take. <laughs> Thank you. It's, I mean, yeah, I just, I'm in the middle of reading it. and I mean, I, I love it. But I was <laughs> hoping you. you could talk a little bit about your like a little bit about your journey with that book. And I talked a little bit about what it was about, but maybe you could talk a little bit more specifically. Sure. Uh, I'm so excited. I can't believe it literally just flew into the world on the 15th of October. And it feels incredibly exciting to have Give and Take in the world. So Give and Take is about Maggie, who has a really hard time letting go of people and things. Her nana had dementia. And at first she forgot where her glasses were and her keys were, but eventually she forgot that she loved chocolate donuts. And one day she actually forgot Maggie. Maggie is afraid that if she lets go of anything, all of the memories that are tied to those moments will disappear like they did for Nana. So when she has to say goodbye to Izzy, the foster baby, her family is taking care of, the collection that she has under her bed and in her closet and in her locker at school grows out of her control. Maggie is a hoarder. 
Like Molly, she has anxiety. It just manifests differently. And Maggie really learned that sometimes love means letting go. This is a story about loving big and loving because it is the best gift we have to give, not to be remembered, you know, in the world of Instagrammable moments and Snapchat and curated selfies. Sometimes we forget that there are moments in life that aren't meant to be seen or just to be present. And in this instance, just to give love because really it is the best gift we have. And so this is Maggie's story. And again, I worked with a therapist um, who specializes in anxiety in kids and who works with kids who hoard. And it was a journey. And um, I love Maggie. I, she's really tucked into my heart. And I really hope that kids love Maggie, readers of all ages love Maggie too. Yeah, I think that's also something that kids and adults could kind of re- could, could relate to, that we want to hang on to an object. Because right. it's because it represents that a person or represents that part of our life. And, you know, I know that I went through, you know, we at one point I had a lot of stuff that I had to, <laughs> had to get rid of. <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's an emotional thing, kind of, again, sure. getting rid of, of things that mean something to you. Cause you think that if you give it away, that you're no longer going to remember that yeah, you're no longer going to. Yeah. So it's an interesting journey for Maggie because unlike Molly, Maggie doesn't see anything wrong with what she's doing. And so She likens it to her mother saving, wearing the bracelet that was her Nana's and sort of that understanding that she comes to have with the help of a therapist, why some things you can save in certain ways and some things you can't and why some of those things are healthy and some of those things are unhealthy habits and sort of learning the distinction between those. And I... I mean, I lost my mom uh, 24 years ago. It still leaves a giant hole in my heart. Letting go and wanting to remember are things that I can relate to emotionally. Um, And so I feel that, you know, I can connect with Maggie in that, connected with Maggie as I wrote her story in that way. Yeah, I think a lot of people could really connect with that because, you know, we hold on to those things. Because we don't want to, we, we don't want to let them go. So right. I just think it's something that, you know, that mostly everybody could really relate to. I hope um, so. And I yeah. also <laughs> shout out to podcasts because in the book, Maggie's dad has a podcast called Go On, Change the World. So he thinks that everybody can change the world a, just a little bit at a time. And there's actually a journaling activity that I worked with a social worker on that's on my site that's called Go On, Change the World. So I feel it's a perfect format since we're on your podcast now. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I also love how you incorporate, you know, just let's say a child or like, you know, like or a tween or, you know, a, a teen going through um, just what's happening to their to their grandparent. 
you know, and I think that she's also very age appropriate because I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously so hard for the child to say if as an adult, you know, going right. through that with your parent. Um, but I think it's, also really important to talk about the kind of impact it has on, on the kids as well. Cause, um, you know, kind of going through it personally right now, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. So I I really, I just really appreciate, you know, your characters and your stories, because I, I just think that it's not just a character in a story, you know, it kind of carries like a real deeper meaning and it, and it's just, I think, and what you said, it's a way for a reader to feel like they're not alone. And right. and as a parent, I think it's a really nice way to explain something that's pretty complicated. Yes. You know, it's, and not, you know, we're not, I think not all people are very comfortable discussing specific issues, you know, um, like obsessive compulsive disorder. How do you explain that? Like, how does a parent explain that to a child who may not know about it? That's so, one of the... That is one of the most interesting um, uh, feedback that I've gotten about the book is that whether it's finding perfect or give and take, it's giving kids and parents the language they need to have those hard conversations. Sometimes when people are going through something, they just don't know what to call it. They don't know what how to articulate what is happening to them and how to convey that other than that they're scared. And so books can give kids that language. Um, the other thing I, I do love, and, and you made mention of this in Maggie's family, is her relationship with her grandfather and her parents and her brothers. Um, the family unit kind of plays a big role in her story. And I feel like um, her relationship with her grandfather is really special. And I loved how that evolved. I mean, I had a super close relationship with my grandmother. And I think I think Maggie's relationship with her gramps just kind of evolved naturally from that. Yeah. And I think no matter how old you get, you always remember that. Yeah, I think you know, so. I, I mean, I don't ever forget it. You know, I mean, I was... I guess about the same age, you know, I was about 12 years old. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I don't think you, you know, you never forget. It always seems like one of those memories that just feels really clear. Yes. So yeah, you just, you have many layers in your story. I mean, you. in, in your book. So, um, but is there anything else that you want to add before we finish okay. up? I, well, first, I just wanted to thank you again for having me and inviting me into this space. I'm really grateful. And I appreciate you sharing about my site. There, for teachers or parents who are listening, there's discussion guides, there's curriculum guides for the classroom, but there's also activities with all my books and things you can do with your kids and lots of resources on the site. And just thank you. If Readers are out there and they have thoughts that what they want to share with me. Feel free to reach out via Twitter, Instagram, or my website. I love feedback. I love to hear from readers and I'm honored by them and have great respect for them. So thank you again for having me here, Becca. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I think that it's just been 
It's been a wonderful conversation. And um, I also, I'm glad that you brought up your website again, because, you know, a lot of times I go to, you know, I go to different events to learn about different mental health and um, issues. And I, I just, I go to a lot of different, a lot of different things, events, but also things online. And I, I try to learn as much as I can. And one of the things that I recently went to the other week, it was a film about, um, it was, it was a film about, about anxiety. Um, but one of the things that one parent had said was that, you know what, how do we teach our kids this at home? Um, and cause you know, a lot of schools have curriculums now for social right. emotional. Um, but I think for a lot of parents, they don't know where to start that conversation. And I really love that you have all those resources on your website because I think that's a, you know, you could read the book with your child. I mean, I would encourage people to do read alouds. Or you could have what I would say, like, you know, you could have your child read the book and then you read the book or right. you could, you know, so there's lots of different ways to do it, but then doing the activity together. So it's a great activities for classrooms, but also great activities to do at home, because I think also at home, it's a more intimate setting where you could have, right. I think, a more could have a real candid conversation. So um, anyway, so definitely check that out. And um, yeah, so thank you so much again. And Thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. 